All right, people. So happy Monday. First and foremost, I hope everybody, you know, is having a great uh, early morning slash afternoon. And uh, we about to we're about to literally almost jump right into this. But I got to say two things. Um, one thing this is this is long overdue. I know I say there's a lot of things that are long overdue, but this is literally something that I wanted to cover since I've been doing um, Halloween episodes, commentaries, just particular topics um, in general since the podcast started. And this is while this is something I've I've been wanting to do, I kind of been putting it off because I've been getting a little sidetracked with the commentary. Um, and don't get me wrong, the commentary is fun, man, and I'm glad that a lot of y'all out there enjoy listening to little old me talk my shit and goof off and you know drop a couple gems here and there during the commentaries. But it's nothing like you know getting that actual episode out to y'all. I don't want this podcast, even though that was one of my first episodes, that was the template for what this podcast you know um, was built on was comment a commentary episode i don't i don't want that to solely be what the tutor reviews podcast consists of like i want to get back to regular topics per se whatever the fuck y'all consider regular out there i don't want to just do like a slew of commentaries and trailer reactions trailer reactions are fine but the commentaries you know i i know it, it might get a little overwhelming for people at times uh I, i'm not sure if everybody feels that way but i know it's more than a few people out there that um have asked me, you know, when am I going to cover this or when am I going to review this? Not necessarily do commentary for it, but review this or talk about this or tell us your thoughts or how you like or dislike this and that X, Y and Z. So it's good. To, it's good to get back, man, because I literally haven't done a regular episode since October 30th, man. And, you know, it's 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 been a really long time since I've, I've gotten back into the groove of like, a, like I said, doing a, a quote unquote regular episode. So it's good to it's good to be back, man, and get this episode out there. Like I said, it's long overdue. Now, here's the other thing. I have to put a disclaimer up in this episode, people. And this is one of the strongest disclaimers that I am ever going to put up on this podcast. Probably, probably one of them. I would say this is one of them because this is one of the top five episodes I've actually been putting off that I've been dying to talk about literally since I've been you know, covering Halloween topics and stuff like that. Anything Halloween, whether it was commentary, whether it was trailer reactions for Halloween kills or something about H2O resurrection, whatever it is, I've been, I've been ready for this. And I said, the commentary ain't going to do it justice. Not to mention YouTube took the movie off uh, for free. They had it on there for the free ski. I was going to do commentary. They took the shit off. So I said, nope, that's a sign from the cinema guys that this has to happen. I've got these notes ready has to happen. So again, let me put the disclaimer up. If you are not a Rob Zombie fan, get the fuck off of this podcast episode immediately. If you are not a fan of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, 2009, get the fuck off of this podcast episode immediately. I cannot stress that enough. That's the disclaimer because we're going to talk about it. And a lot of people not going to like it, but I'm going to love it. So I'm giving you all the disclaimer now. And you know what? Even if you do or don't like whether you do or don't like Rob Zombie or Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, if y'all are still tuning in and rocking out with this, y'all already know y'all the true to the reviews MVPs because it's, it's good that people agree to disagree with me. I'm cool with having a healthy debate as long as shit don't get disrespectful because I got time sometimes. You know, I got time that like if it's about movies and I, and I feel passionate about it, I got the time, man. But again, y'all got the disclaimer. If you're not a fan of Rob Zombie or Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, 
turn this shit off now step the fuck back as far as you can from whatever if you got the ear pods in the ear muff headphones the old school styrofoam the uh, spongy headphones i don't care what y'all got if you got it on in the car on speaker whatever if you if you if you got that gut feeling right now that you're not gonna like what i gotta say about this movie then just just turn it off right now but if not if y'all still here love y'all to death and we about to get into it, people. This is this is um, I say I've been waiting to do this because there's this there's this misconception here. And I understand that everybody has their own opinions. Every you know, everybody's going to have their own opinions. If everybody thought had, you know, agreed on the same thing, the world would be so fucking boring. Um, I, I would prefer the world being crazy as opposed to it being boring. However, it's neither here nor there. We are going to talk about why i will defend rob zombies halloween 2 2009 forever when i say forever i want y'all to say forever with me in like the words of uh what's his name from the sandlot squints when he's like forever like and they did the close-up on his face that's how long i'm going to defend this movie man and i have legitimate reasons Legitimate reasons. Now, some people might, again, we're going to agree to disagree on this, man. I know because this is a movie that has divided the Halloween horror community more than, I want to say more than Halloween 6. I can't really say Halloween Resurrection. And if nobody knows my thoughts on Halloween Resurrection and how much I fucking despise that movie, go check out my episode if y'all want. Um, it's it's It was, you know, basically talking about why I think Halloween Resurrection was a sabotage plot and why it was bad on purpose. But um, before we get into Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, let's, let's jump into a quick, 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 as quick as I possibly can franchise history. It might not be as quick as I want it to be because this is literally my favorite slasher, favorite slasher series ever hands down and plus halloween is my second favorite movie of all time it's always going to be second runner up to night of living dead but it's still one of the best slasher movies the best slasher movie ever made my mistake but um let's jump into a brief history man now we we got a lot of history with this series man you got halloween's one through eight pretty much uh you can count part three but part three you know for the, un the uninitiated it does not have michael myers in it so if you haven't seen halloween three spoiler alert there's no michael myers in there there is a michael myers cameo but there's just them showing the halloween trailer on a tv at the bar so if you want to x out halloween three that's cool so technically speaking we have seven movies with michael myers in them at this point and um you know they range from the years 1978 the original to 2002 uh, actually it would have been 2001 but they held on to the movie for like a year or so and then it came out in 2002 if i'm not mistaken of july and that was a uh, halloween resurrection now my favorites in the series of course is the original you know i know it's the obvious answer but you're not you're not going to get better than the original and i'm sorry that's just a fact for me personally the second one is always second, then it's part four, then it's part six, and I'm always torn. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It's not part six at my number four. It's actually Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. It's the one I'm talking about now. And then in last place, it's always a tie between the 2018 Halloween and Halloween 6. I say it's a tie between those two because the writing and the simplicity and the, you know, back to the basics of Halloween 2018 is a lot better than the, the, you know, the, the rewrites and the edits and the shit, all the cooks in the kitchen that 
went into Halloween six. It's 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 a mess of a movie, but I love that movie. I, I will always defend that movie, by the way. Did commentary for that and I praise it a hell of a lot if y'all want to check it out. I, I did commentary for basically all the Halloweens except Rob Zombies Halloween two, Halloween three, and I think Resurrection. But y'all could check those out if y'all want. But um you know the the franchise has had I want to say once Halloween five kicked into gear, it, it's had a really rocky start. Uh, not a rocky start, but it's, it's had like a rocky road, basically. And, you know, Halloween 5, one of the problems that it suffered from was that they rushed it into production literally uh, right after the success of Halloween 4. And, you know, that's something that Friday the 13th does. And they get away with it. They can churn out their movies year after year after year. And whether they make as much money back as 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 they would like to or not, they're still considered hits, at least up until Jason Takes Manhattan, which came out in 89. But that was the same year, ironically, that Halloween 5 came out. And they kind of rushed into it. It was a really bad successor to Halloween 4 when you when you look at it overall. I don't hate it, but as far as a follow-up, they, they really dropped the ball with a lot of stuff, man. And I, I just don't think that they understood what they were what they were really trying to go for. And then you introduced the thorn. Uh, symbol and the man in black which would carry on to halloween six now halloween six suffered a lot during the production before the production after the production after its release like it, it was just all over the place but i still love that movie because up until that point you had never seen a michael myers that brutal on screen now h2o I, I guess i was a little bamboozled when it came out because i was just so hype over it because we hadn't seen michael myers since 95 and then 1998 comes along and you get a sequel that's pretty much a direct sequel to halloween 2 which is fine because they brought back jamie lee curtis and it's got one of the best third acts and endings in the entire series but when you scrap halloween's four five and six which i'm pretty sure have their own crazy fan base that's a big slap in the face, man. But Halloween H2O was a big success. So, of course, we already know money talks and bullshit walks. It's actually something that Brady said in Halloween 4, by the way. But Halloween Resurrection drops in, um, you know, 2002, which was a big fucking bomb for me. For me personally, I could not stand that fucking movie. It was an insult to my intelligence. I don't even want to get into it. Like I said, y'all can check out the episode I did for Halloween Resurrection if y'all want to. I explain everything in bulk while i fucking i wouldn't even eat that movie to shit it out and light it on fire i i, I kid y'all not i i despise that movie so much and whether people like it or not this is the truth man halloween resurrection was almost the end of the theatrical success for this entire franchise this shit was about to go straight to dvd after halloween resurrection because it was such a fucking gimmick and one of the things about about that movie is it felt like it went straight to dvd it didn't seem like it got a theatrical release at all it's something that literally seemed like it could be one of those dimension films straight to dvd sequels because they had already been put pumping out the hellraiser sequels um straight to dvd i think bloodline was the last one that had a theatrical release um they were pumping out the children of the corn straight to dvd sequels i think since part three they were pumping out all you know the prophecy sequels so it was not unlikely that the Halloween series was headed straight to the shelf of your fucking Sam Goody or your Hollywood videos or wherever the hell we were getting DVDs from at the time. Or was it FYE or whatever the case may be? This shit was was in trouble, man. So 
Enter Rob Zombie. We got Rob Zombie to the rescue, and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I respect this man so much for stepping in, putting some balls back on Michael Myers and on the franchise in general, because now we can take it seriously all over again. Now we get the dark, gritty side of Michael Myers, and I know a lot of people had a big problem with um, the fact that they they pretty much humanized Michael Myers for the most part. You know, he talked. Dave Fairch played him in the in the uh, in the first movie, and those first two acts of the film basically are a prequel to Halloween because they show you know Michael Myers. He's ten years old this time instead of um instead of six. And, you know, they show Dave Farge, uh, you know, interacting with people, talking, and you feel really sorry for him because it's just like, oh, it's not his fault. Maybe he's just crazy and oh, he's all institutionalized and everything. So I understand people's frustrations with how they made you sympathize with Michael Myers, because that's a big fucking mistake that you don't want to do with your slasher and your slasher franchises. You don't want to feel sorry for these characters if you want if you want to make this character the epitome of pure evil and you know it's, it's he's inhuman and all that other shit dr loomis said over the years and over the sequels then you don't want to you don't want to sympathize and you don't want to humanize this character at all especially not michael myers man because he's supposed to be like this he's literally called the shape for a reason he's not mindless he's not stupid but he is literally emotionless like there's there's nothing you can really say or i mean if you count how we can't count halloween five because that motherfucker cried you know he shed a single tear when jamie was like uncle let me see your face and all that other stuff but whatever so i i'm gonna say this while i have my problems with halloween rob zombies halloween uh 2007 the remake being too familiar and i say too familiar in a sense that there's a lot of recycled dialogue from the original movie there's a lot of recycled scenes from the original movie and i'm all for like nods and easter eggs here and there i love it but i, I feel like for a halloween movie there's already been uh so much fan service at this point with uh with all the movies one through one through eight at this point there's been so much fan service that's familiar that i that was the last thing i wanted when i went into that remake and it you know it it, it was cool though it was cool because like i said tyler main did tyler main brought the balls back on michael myers rob zombie did the same thing and he created just this brute version of michael myers and i know a lot of people had problems with the hillbilly uh type of aspect the redneck dialogue and just how nasty and mean-spirited it was but there's this is a newsflash people that's real life i don't know if y'all been in the same 2020 i've been in but if y'all never knew that the the, the world is mean-spirited then we damn sure got a taste of it this year that's real life now i'm not saying people talk like that regularly like on a like constantly non-stop talk like that i'm not saying that at all but what i'm saying is it's not far-fetched, man. I get it. I get that people think the movie and the dialogue and just the con some of the content overall is just nasty. I know there's a rape scene that uh, in the direct in the unrated director's cut that definitely had no place in that movie. Uh, I, I hated that scene because I hate rape scenes in any fucking movie in general. But I, I understand people's frustrations with it. But at the same time, I had to be appreciative with what Rob Zombie did with that movie, whether it was familiar or not, because he literally came in and saved the franchise man and i know there's going to be a ton of people that disagree with me that's cool a lot of people say he destroyed it 
uh, whether it was with the first one or the second movie he did, but he saved it, in my opinion. That's my opinion. I don't give a shit. I already put the disclaimer up. Y'all about to get a lot more where that came from, because guess what? In comes Halloween 2, 2009. Now, they waited, and I'm glad they waited, because I was almost sure, because Halloween uh, 2007 actually made a lot of money it, it was a uh, it was not a box office flop whatsoever in 2007 it, it was off the heels of stuff like um uh the year before there was the texas chainsaw massacre to beginning which was a prequel that platinum dunes pushed out michael bay produced it you know you had uh in 2006 you had the remake of black christmas you had house of wax i think was a year or that same year or the year before that um, what really jump started off the slasher remix was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. But then you, you know, you kept, you knew Michael Myers was coming back eventually. And the movie did make money, man. It got some, some really good feedback. But in came, you know, Halloween 2, 2009. And this got released, uh, August 28th. And, you know, they brought back the main players. They brought back Tyler Maine as, uh, Michael Myers. They brought back Scout Taylor Compton as Laurie Strode. Daniel Harris as Annie Brackett. Brad Dorff as Sheriff Brackett, who's one of the biggest casting steals in that, you know, in that two-parter, um, remake series. You brought back Sherry Moon Zombie, who, you know, was pretty ghostly. She was already dead in the first movie, but, uh, she came back as a ghost. And we'll, we'll talk about Sherry Moon Zombie's role in it in a second. Um, one of the things that kind of threw me off, but, not it didn't take me out of the movie but i'm just i'm used to a certain type of continuity man and when you recast main characters it really throws me off i feel like they're playing completely different characters no matter what their name is but uh chase wright vanek plays michael myers this time around he replaced dig fairch i think because rob zombie said dig had gotten uh too old to play the role and um you know they wanted flashback sequences of that 10 year old michael myers so they cast a different actor doesn't take me out of the movie now really quick let's the plot is really simple for for rob zombies halloween 2 and this is always for the uninitiated but um the plot basically we we see you know we, we see laurie strode is she's she's still alive of course because she was alive at the end of the movie she shot michael myers in the face or the head whatever you just see her pointing a gun at his face then she lets off a shot and then she's just screaming at the top of her lungs and then the movie goes off but basically you know it's simple michael myers survives the gunshot to the head he comes back to haddonfield um and he seeks revenge i mean i don't know if it's necessarily revenge but he is he's focused on that one goal to bring his family together which was another thing that i'm pretty sure people didn't like um they kept the you know of course they kept the 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 sibling aspect of things but michael was not going after Lori to kill her he was going after her to you know bring the family together to be a family again which was really fucking strange but again it doesn't really take me out of the movie it just it's, it adds to the weirdness of it but it's cool but the plot's simple you know he's back in haddonfield to trick-or-treat and wreak havoc again plot simple it's simplistic it's nothing really complicated about it um maybe a few things that are Unexplained. I mean, they're explained a little bit, but the unexplained is just strange about it. Now, since we got the plot down, let's talk about the opening scene, the opening sequence, rather. Now, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen this movie: you've been warned. Um, the opening sequence, the whole hospital sequence at Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, it's a dream sequence. You know, it's not real. Lori wakes up, but I, I could tell y'all this right now. Um. That opening dream sequence uh, for the 15, 20 minutes that it goes on, 
this is one of the best sequences in the entire franchise. Uh, hands down, hands down. There's no doubt in my mind, excuse me, that this is one of the best sequences, probably top five. If I can get ballsy enough to say top five, probably top five sequences in the entire franchise, man. And I'm going to get to a couple reasons why. A couple reasons why. We got. A, I got a lot of point to make points to make but um I, I'm, I'm not gonna take up too much of y'all time i promise now one of the things that i love uh about this uh opening sequence is that when Lori gets to the hospital it's already on and popping she's screaming at the top of her lungs on the gurney she's all fucked up because if y'all remember she was getting a little beat up in the myers house and she fell through the ceiling she fell off the balcony with michael she's trashed at this point she's got cuts on her face she, like her legs broken her arm and her hand is off like she's mangled at this point but it is a very cringe worthy operation scene and if you can make me cringe you are trying to find your way to my heart as a movie um uh, not that i get off on that kind of stuff even though i am a gorehound but if you make me cringe like if i if i went you know like watching a movie that's cool because it seems like she is really being operated on down to them pulling, you know, I don't know if it's splinters or glass out of her underneath her fingernails down to them putting stitches in her skin, cleaning off the wounds and everything. It is so realistic, man. And it's almost um, I use this term a lot, man. It's like classy violence. This is the classiest little bit of violence you're going to get in, um, in in this movie. Or in a Halloween movie per se. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just done in such a decent fashion. It's not too gratuitous, but it's very realistic. Uh, anybody that works in a hospital or like the the ER, maybe patient transport or stuff like that, I'm pretty sure y'all see some fucked up stuff in those hospitals. So y'all can relate to how realistic this scene looks because it really does. Now, another thing that this this opening sequence, this hospital sequence, has going for it is this literally has the most, not one of, but the most vicious kill of the entire Halloween series, man. The entire series. And shout out to Octavia Spencer, man, because she did a hell of a job being a victim in this movie. Now, it, like when I say this is the most vicious kill, it, <laughs> listen, when I when I get down to it, this is this is one thing I want people to take into consideration. Not only is it one of the most vicious kills, but Michael, he's pissed here. You know, he takes his time walking over to Octavia Spencer. She walks into the, you know, into the hospital room because Lori's walking around with the IV in her arm looking for help. And Octavia Spencer's so in shock that she doesn't even realize until she turns around that she's been sliced, you know, on her face, like from her nose down to her lip. Like she's got this big ass gash on her face and she starts freaking out. You know, she's screaming and then she just she just falls and collapses on the ground and she's just that much in shock from what she's seen and what's happened to her. So in comes Michael and Michael looks badass, man. I'm going to get to the kills, but since I'm on the opening dream sequence, I'm going to focus on this one right here. But, you know, Michael looks badass, man. He's got the he's got the bullet wound in his head. His his overalls are still dirty and bloody. It looks badass, man. He hasn't lost his touch. But what he does is he picks Octavia Spencer up and the knife ain't had to look that damn shiny. It looks like he got a brand new butcher knife from the other one because the other one looked a little dulled and old and stained and stuff. But it looks like he's got a new knife. And when I say he turns her into a fucking a human pincushion with this butcher knife. Now, this is something that this is another point I want to make right here. I know Michael grunts and damn near shouts 
when he's stabbing Octavia Spencer, he is literally fucking her up like he's trying to make a souffle or something like that. I don't know what the hell he's doing. I don't even know if souffle was the proper term to even use. I should have said like filet mignon or something, but he is literally like he's like chopping shit up in the kitchen right now. And again, Michael's really going to town here. So he's like grunting really loud. He's damn near like uh, shouting every knife hit. And it's a very graphic scene, man. It's a very graphic scene. But I want you people out there, you know, this is for the people that are whining about Michael grunting in this movie. Stop whining about Michael grunting when he kills Octavia Spencer in the movie. Whether he's grunting or shouting, stop whining, please. Because if y'all did y'all research, Michael Myers grunts when he kills Annie in uh, Halloween 1978, in the very first movie, where he's choking her in the, from the backseat of the car, he's grunting through the mask. If you don't believe me, just watch. Shout out Bruno Mars. But listen, and he grunts when he's choking Lori right before Loomis shoots him off the balcony. And when Loomis sees him before he fires the last five shots at him, he grunts again. Michael grunts in the first movie. So listen, that's source material in my book. So um, apparently Rob Zombie did his homework. And Michael does grunt in the original, uh, uh, in the first remake also. He grunts more than a few times in that movie. And I don't, I don't mind it, man, because it's, you know... It, it works either way for me. If Michael doesn't make a sound, you know, he doesn't make a sound in, um, you know, like in Halloween 4 or Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, I don't think. But I know in Halloween 4 for sure, I don't think he makes a fucking sound throughout that whole movie. But come on, man, like it, it works either way for me. Like stop whining because he grunt. Y'all not going to complain that he grunted in the first movie. So don't complain that he grunts in this movie. Those are the, those are the same fucking people that whine about the fact that, oh, my God, Jason ran in the 2009 remake. And it's like, obviously, you motherfuckers don't do your homework either because Jason ran in parts two, three and four. So it's like, come on, man, we have to be a little more savvy when it comes to the little the nook and crannies and the little the little mentions here and there man i appreciate the little easter eggs here and there maybe i'm reaching i don't think so i know it's a couple people out there that's going to think i'm reaching but again this is why i put the disclaimer up now let's get into the characters not all of them but let's jump into the main players that we got this time around for um for rob zombies halloween 2 like i said we basically got the main players back we got a couple new faces in here which i'll bring up um not all of them but i'll bring up like the og faces the more familiar faces that the horror genre uh you know the fans will definitely recognize when i say their names or if they see the movie but of course you know we've got we've got laurie strode back and, you know, after the dream sequence, we see Lori is 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 medicated. You know, she she drinks now. It's only been, you know, a couple years since the, the incidents of the last movie. But she's medicated now. She's going to therapy. She's a she's a really fucked up individual. She's almost a tortured soul in a lot of ways because Lori's now she's having these, you know, these strange nightmares where she's in place of Michael Myers and she she kills Annie as you know, like she kills Annie like how. Michael killed Ronnie in the first movie. She kills Annie while she's taped up to a chair and cuts her throat. And she just has these really strange visions of these, uh, you know, these Halloween like images of just people with pumpkin heads at the dinner table. It's like a fucking like a sadistic Halloween version of The Last Supper almost. But she's really she's damaged. And I'm going to tell you all why this works, man. And I think I've said this before, but if nobody has heard me say it before, this is going to shock a lot of y'all. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose any listeners. But I'm keeping it a bean with y'all, like I always do. Now, um, th this is my thing, man. Uh, it works for me. 
and it works for me a lot more like Lori's portrayal as far as Lori Strode and the damage that she displays on screen. This works a hell of a lot better for me than Jamie Lee Curtis's portrayal in Halloween H2O as Lori Strode. Now, listen, hear me out. Hear me out, people. Hear me out. I don't want it. I don't want to lose anybody. I, I gave y'all I gave y'all some time after I said that because I know people are just like, yo, this motherfucker is talking blasphemy right now. Listen, let me explain why. Now, Halloween H2O did something that Halloween 2018 did not do. It included Halloween 2 from 1981. Now, Lori being chased and her friends killed and almost killed herself in Halloween 1 is one thing. But to be hunted down and stalked at the hospital after that, more people getting in the way of Michael trying to get her and getting killed and her, you know, using a gun for the first time in her life and shooting him in both his eyes. Her watching him get shot another five times in front of her after walking through a door and he just gets back up and then him still standing after getting two shots to the eyes and seeing him walk on fire towards her like just, you know, to see all of that. And all you're doing is just drinking multiple glasses of Chardonnay, uh, you know, when you go out to lunch with your boyfriend and you got a bottle of vodka in the freezer. That's cool and everything. But if I see some shit like that, I'm going to be fucked up, man. I'll be lucky if the only thing I'm doing is drinking glasses of Chardonnay and vodka all day long. I'll be lucky. You understand? I would be lucky. So Lori, the way like how fucked up she is in this movie is so realistic man because it's like the purest form of like ptsd in a halloween movie if you want to make michael pure evil and i feel like this was a good nod to halloween 4 when jamie touched michael's hand and it was like the touch of evil passed on to her because it's almost damn near hereditary you know maybe it runs in only certain parts of their family but that was a good nod what they did with Lori here was a good nod to Halloween 4 with how the evil is passed on, but they took it a couple steps further, and Lori's just having these murderous dreams and just these really bizarre, surreal nightmares and stuff like that, just constantly. she It's almost like in the movie, she never gets a good night's sleep and never gets a, you know, like a moment to, 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 to regroup from from anything even her therapy sessions she's snapping on the therapist and she's saying that she's got these crazy thoughts and she's like listen if i tell you what i'm thinking in my head then that you know it means you'll send me away she's looking at the wall and she's you know like trying to break down the, the pictures of the rorschach and she sees a white horse and all the it's insane man and the fact that she's seeing she looks at that rorschach and sees a white horse and they coincide they, they had that coincide with the fact that michael is having the visions of his mother walking next to the white horse as a ghost you know they're both crazy as fuck and that's a good little sibling dynamic that they have because if it's one thing a remake should do which all remakes should do which they don't and that's one of the reasons why a lot of them are trash it should try something different and stand on its own two feet and you know that being said let's get into annie real quick so we don't spend too much time talking about too much um annie daniel harris is back and one of the other things I respect about Rob Zombie is his his attention to detail and continuity, because if you look close enough, you can see scars on Annie's face in the opening scene where um, or the beginning, not the opening scene, but earlier on in the movie where they're having like a breakfast, it's like a little breakfast scene. And, you know, Sheriff Brack has got to run out and Annie's eating egg whites and talking to Lori, trying to, you know, trying to have her little sisterly moment with her. But it's, it doesn't work. But Annie's got the scars on her face because she got attacked in the first movie and her boyfriend got killed. So that was a nice thing to to see on screen that they didn't forget that something had happened to her and we see like she's literally got scars to remember that night by 
But one of the things I like about Danielle Harris's betrayal in this movie is that she's she's still scarred from what happened, like literally and like mentally. She's scarred from what happened, but she's more so dealing with it. You know, she 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 doesn't really talk about it. You know, her and Lori have this little spat um, at the table early on. I, I don't know if anybody's seen the directors, the unrated directors cut of Halloween, too. But there is a it's a, a prolonged scene. It's an extended scene where Lori and Annie get into it early in the morning. And Annie's not really trying to hear Lori's bullshit. You know, she's she wants to be there for her friend. And they're more like sisters at this point because they live together. But Annie's just she's just keeping it bottled in because she has a moment later on in the movie where she's like, you act like you're the only one whose fucking life got trashed, but she's not, she, it takes a lot to, to get her to that, to that breaking point. Cause for the most part, she's very laid back and she's really lax throughout the movie, even for somebody who was almost murdered by Michael Myers. But I like, I like her portrayal because it's almost, it's almost maternal in a way, you know, she's almost like the mother figure to Lori now that they've both have pretty much went through almost the same thing a couple years ago and she's just like you know take it one day at a time and you know you act like i don't understand and she gives her a lot of sarcasm throughout the movie but it works because it, while it's maternal again they got that little sisterly bond that uh again that that sibling rivalry type of dynamic and it it works really well because it shows like the maturity and in, in um in annie's character and i guess you know if nothing gives you maturity then it takes a fucking like seven foot psychopath that just escaped a mental institution to you know to straighten your life up a little bit so i can understand that <coughs> excuse me people now bracket um brad door's portrayal as sheriff bracket uh he he's one of the best performances in the movie uh in the first movie by the way but uh he's more so just trying man uh sheriff bracket in this movie He's, you know, he's still playing the father to uh, Annie, of course, and now he's the father figure to Lori again because they all live together, which is a good, a good gesture on his behalf. Listen, um, you know, it's a good gesture because it's a callback to how he knew that that was Michael Myers' sister, and he gave Loomis the backstory. He's like, listen, I was first on the scene, and I saw this baby, and everybody's, you know, the mom killed herself, and the baby's covered in blood, so he's like, I, he was like, I take the baby over, and I find out a friend of mine, Mason Strode, adopted her. He knew, but Loomis, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't hold water, so he let it all out in his book and all that other shit, which we find out later on in the movie, but it's a nice callback to just the type of person Sheriff Brackett was trying to be, and he's a way more, you know, nothing against Charles Cyphers, but he's a way more effective sheriff than Charles Cypher's version of Sheriff Brackett ever could be because he's very hands-on and he's very uh he's very intense man but it you know his intensity balance out with with uh it balances out with his charisma at the end of the day because Brad Dorf does a really good job here uh, especially during his like his his angry and emotional scenes he's got two in particular um as the movie goes along but Sheriff Bragg is just you know and he a lot of scenes he tries to lighten up the situation like in the morning scene where he's like no I gotta run and his daughter's like do you want some egg whites he's like no I'm gonna get me one of them sticky buns and she tells him something about how much sugar's in it and he's just you know he's smiling pouring his coffee and then he says good morning to Lori then later on that night they get pizza and he's cracking jokes about um uh i think oh man i can't remember the movie he's talking about but it's an old western he's talking about uh, uh there there we go he's talking about something with lee marvin and he's talking about when he misses the bar and he shoots at he's he's always trying to lighten up the situation for him to be like this hard-ass badass sheriff he's still got a soft side for his girls man and i i love that about brad doris portrayal in this movie it shows whether people like it or not the, the it shows growth in these characters and in, in 
more ways than one not necessarily Lori, because her growth is like just insanity overall as the movie goes on but um we also got uh Lori's two new best friends that she works at the you know the java house with the coffee house and all of that stuff um maya and harley now let me look up really quick what these actresses names are brie grant who plays maya and angela tim timber trimber sorry trimber angela trimber who plays harley now nothing against these two actresses at all because i've seen them in stuff before i think uh the, the actress that plays harley i think i saw her in the movie the, the it was like a horror spoof slasher spoof called the final girls or the final girl or something like that it's almost like a spoof of friday the 13th but i've seen her around i've seen the other girl around too maya and harley i, I guess they needed like a substitute for Lori because you know linda's dead at this point uh kristen i think her name was kristen Klebe, the actress that played linda in the first movie but you know, you, you, you have these girls who are polar opposites and somehow her, Lori and these two girls have a lot in common because they, they seem to be best friends. And Lori seems a hell of a lot closer with these girls than she does Annie. And you would think that it would be the complete opposite because Annie can relate to what happened. Like I said, they pretty much went through the same shit a um, few years back with Michael Myers. But Lori seems a lot closer to Maya and Harley. And the actresses are cool. Maya's the, she's the more laid back one. Like, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it's a good idea if we should go out tonight and this, that, and other. Because early in the movie, when they introduce her, she's like, yeah, are you going to come out with me and Harley tonight? She's like, listen, uh, we got you the costume and blah, blah, blah. So they have their little jam out session. Harley's the one that she's like Linda 2.0, basically. But um, I say that in the sense that she's raunchy. She's unfiltered. She don't give a fuck. Like she jumps on the counter like not even five minutes after we introduced her character. And she's like, do I have to show the old man my tits again and all this other shit? She meets up with the guy at the uh the party they had which it looks like a dope ass halloween party by the way but they have you know she meets this guy and she just wants to fuck him right off the rip the wolfman guy she's the more raunchy one like i said they're polar opposites but they i like that they genuinely care about Lori throughout the movie uh you see that they're not just party girls and they're not just posers trying to be cool with her and they feel sorry for her because when Lori finds out she's michael meyer's sister after reading the book um you know Lori gets drunk with them and you know Maya's like I, I don't know if it's we shouldn't go out we should just stay here order some food but Harley Harley's kind of on the fence too when she finds out she's like holy shit you really are Michael Myers sister when she sees the part in the book but Harley's the one that's like you know I'm I'm in whatever she wants to do I'm in but they all go out and they have a good time off the strength of their friend I love that about them so they're not complete throwaway characters at the end of the day so we had to have that you know Lori had to have her triangle complete in the movie since her you know since her and annie are aren't on good terms now let's get to as far as the main characters go let's get to the big guy himself tyler mains michael myers man now i know people have a lot of problems with this michael myers and i know why he walks around without his mask a lot he he, he grunts a lot he, I know that people say he looks like an old redneck hobo and he's got his hoodie on and his beard and all of that shit. Let me tell y'all something. I'm right there with y'all as far as Michael walking around with no mask on. I hate that. I know Michael has been unmasked in part one, part four, part five, and um, I think that's about it. We've seen some unmasked Michael Myers before, for sure. So I'm right there with y'all. It is very unsettling and off-putting 
when I see Michael Myers with no fucking mask on. I don't care how y'all hide him in shadow. And there's a strange part of me that thinks he looks badass. There's one shot when he kills that that bouncer at the Rabbit and Red Lounge, but you can only see like the eye of Michael Myers. You know his beard is there, but the rest of it is just shat. Like I don't know, the lighting is just so great. But I am right there with y'all. Michael Myers should not be waltzing around with no mask on. But in the defense of that, what this movie did that was really strange was they made it seem like unless Michael is provoked, he's not doing anything unless he puts his mask on. And that's like the first time he kills uh, like after the dream sequence when he kills like uh, Dwayne Whitaker and um, oh, what was his name? Mark Boone and the, and the girl from my bloody Valentine 3D. When he kills them in that field, he was chilling. Until they fucked him up with those crowbars and he got up in slow motion. And when he puts his mask on in slow motion, you know it's party time. It's almost like, you know, Samson strength being in his hair type of thing. When Michael puts that mask on, you know it's party time. But I'm listen, I understand, people. That's one of the things we are in uh, total agreement with. Michael Myers should not be walking around with no fucking mask on. I, I, I don't care. It's just too weird for me. You know, you get so accustomed to seeing him with the mask on that he spends so much time, especially in the unrated director's cut. He spends so much time in well-lit scenes where you can see his face. And it's just weird, man. It's just, it's just very weird. And it makes you feel like it's a completely different character. So I'm all I'm, I'm with y'all 100 percent on that, man, I, or at least 99 percent, because I said that, you know, that little part of me likes the one scene where he you can see his face in the shadow, though, only in the shadow. Now, however moving on from that unmasked beard uh homeless hobo type shit um this is the most brutal michael myers we're ever going to see and I, I mean that with everything in my soul this is the most brutal michael myers we are ever going to see on screen I th halloween 4 was one thing because michael myers was a brute in that one Halloween six was 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 a whole new ball game. He was crunched, you know, snapping people's heads damn near off. You know, he was electrocuting people after he impaled them and their head exploded in front of him. He was fucking people up. He was smashing people's heads through through steel barred doors and knocking the door down and just stepping over them like it wasn't nothing. He was brute, brute muscle. But this Michael, this Michael, not only is he is he is he nuts. You know, as if he wasn't crazy before, but we see how Michael sees things. He sees his mother's ghost standing next to a white horse. And every time he communicates with his mother, when he talks to his mother, it's his younger self. It's the actor Chase Vanek um, talking for the older Michael Myers. But you see the younger self standing in front of the actual older Michael Myers talking to his mother. So not only is he nuts, but he's brutal as shit. Like you, when you run into this Michael Myers... It's, it's going to end terribly, man. I don't know how y'all feel about the kills from the other movies. This is going to be one where you immediately start singing the upper room when he gets paws on you because it's a wrap. It's over. It's not going to end well. If you, You're not necessarily going to end up in pieces, but you are going to feel it. He might stab you in the foot and you're going to feel it in your skull somewhere. Like I, that, And that's just for starters, man. I'm telling you, these kills, we're going to get to the kills in a quick minute 
But the kill when he kills people in this movie, he's he's not even just killing people. He's choke slamming motherfuckers in here. So apparently he spent some time, you know, in the WWE facility before he, you know, before he head back to Haddonfield because he's got some new moves up in this bitch. He was not doing that in the original movie. He was stabbing people. He was taking knives from people and gripping people up. You know, he's got that fight with Ken Foray in the bathroom for the knife. He ultimately wins and kills Ken Foray in the bathroom. But choke slamming motherfuckers. And 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 snapping like limbs in half, like Jesus, man. Now, until Halloween Kills comes out and proves otherwise, this is the most brutal Michael Myers we will ever get on screen. And I don't even think the. I'm sorry, man. No disrespect to uh, David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, James U. Courtney. No diss to y'all at all. I love what y'all are doing. And I was hyped for the Halloween Kills trailer. Y'all don't believe me? Go back and watch the or listen to the uh, trailer reaction for Halloween Kills. But no disrespect to them at all. I don't need, you know, as much as they say it's, they're going to let the blood fly and they're not going to hold back this time around, which I can appreciate and I'm looking forward to. I don't even think it's going to be as brutal as this Michael Myers. I really don't because they still have to kiss the ring. Now, I don't know if 2018 kissed the ring enough to get John Carpenter on board. That's why we had a lot of off-screen kills. And now this time they're just going to let it rip. But John Carpenter's still on board. So I don't think that they're going to go all overboard with it. But even John Carpenter said that the body count is crazy in this one. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be more brutal than Tyler Mayne's Michael Myers. I, listen, I refuse to believe it until I see otherwise. Until, until October comes and we see that movie this one got it now as as i wrap up the casting that's in this movie um because I, I got a couple more points to make before i wrap this up man i don't want this to be too long of an episode but um one thing i appreciate about this movie is whether it was a deleted scene or not we do got some og casting uh some straight up genre og casting we got margot kidder uh rest in peace shout out to her you know from amityville superman stuff like that she plays Lori's therapist caroline williams who plays stretch in texas chainsaw massacre 2 she's also in hatchet 3 she plays one of the nurses um in the opening dream sequence at Haddonfield hospital like i said mark boone jr who's in john carpenter's vampires 30 days a night he's the guy that literally dies in like every horror movie he's in He's in it. He gets killed in the field um, with Dwayne Whitaker, who was in like Pulp Fiction, Dust Till Dawn 2 and stuff like that. Sean Whalen is in it, who played Roach from People Under the Stairs. And I think he also was in Hatchet 3. And you got who's in the deleted scene. We got Adrian Barbeau, who's in a deleted scene with Dr. Loomis. Now, Adrian Barbeau was actually I think she was married to John Carpenter once upon a time. And, you know, she was in The Fog and um, uh, she was in Two Evil Eyes and Swamp Thing and Creep Show. She's in so many genre movies, man. So I appreciate that casting, man. Like I, it's, it's the little things that that get me hyped with movies like these man so it's not it's definitely not all terrible in my book now as far as the white horse and the hallucinations go that's another thing i could understand uh if people hate it if people actually hate that i i can understand i, I won't even argue y'all down but i look at it like i again and i go back to saying that um i love how it coincided with the fact that Lori, the first thing she saw when she looked at that rorschach and her therapy session was a white horse. It's it's it goes hand in hand with the fact that maybe she's as crazy as Michael or she's getting there. You know, she's having these dreams and she's getting there. So the white horse and all the hallucinations and shit like that. I don't I don't mind it because it gives a it gives a little uh, a, a ghostly feel to a Halloween movie. And that's not something that you really get. Again, if you want to do 
uh, a remake, make it stand on its own too. Introduce something weird. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't always work. In this case, it didn't take me out. A fucking white horse. And you know, I hate when people say it's got unicorns in it. There's no fucking unicorn in sight, man. People just love saying stuff just because they love hearing themselves talk or seeing what they type on social media. I, I hate it. But the white horse and the hallucinations don't really bother me. Yes, it's strange, especially when I watch that movie and I'm drunk, the, the nightmare sequences and all that stuff. It's very weird, but I'd rather be weird than just be completely bad for me. So it doesn't take me out of the movie. Now, the kills. The kills in this movie, man, uh, they, Rob Zombie does not hold back, man. He does not hold back. And there are some off-screen kills here. Most of them are in Haddonfield Memorial during the dream sequence. And that's just when Laurie sees a body pit or somebody's eyes have been gouged out that's um, hanging on to the, 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 the gate that opens up to the stairwell and, you know, in the hallway. But, um... You know, the kills here are fucking A-plus for me, man. Like I said, Octavia Spencer gets it the worst. And it sucks that it was a dream sequence, but that scene still exists, so I don't give a damn. Now, again, you've got Mark Boone Jr. who gets um, he gets stabbed in the stomach in that field when they beat Michael Myers' ass. He gets stabbed in the stomach, and then Michael Myers turns him around and pushes, he impales him on the antlers that are on the front of his truck. And he doesn't just impale him, but he like leans on him and starts pushing him further and further and further onto the antlers so he can just get more impaled. And then Dwayne Whitaker, before that, I forgot to mention, he slices his knife across his eyes. Not to mention, Michael Myers has a fucking... His knife in here is like one of the biggest hunting knives I've ever seen in my life. And I feel like that was done on purpose to compensate for how small that scalpel was that he used all throughout the um, or the majority throughout uh, the original Halloween, too. He slices across Dwayne Whitaker's eyes, stabs his ass to death nonstop. Um, it's almost like a cutaway stabbing sequence, but you get the idea of it. And just the sound effects of it sound like it hurt. Then the sister can't remember the actress's name. But um, the, the lady who was in my Bloody Valentine 3D, he, t he just stabs her. He takes her out in the field and just stabs her up a couple times. Then, you know, you get, again, that chokeslam sequence with that actor. Uh, I, I cannot remember his name either, but he's in the Lords of, he's in the Lords of Salem. And uh, you know what? Real quick, let me look this actor up. Jeff Daniel Phillips is that guy's name. And um, Jeff da and Betsy Rue, my bad. And Betsy Rue was the girl uh, who was in my Bloody Valentine 3D who got stabbed up in the field. But uh, the guy that plays a bouncer, um, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips, Michael Myers chokeslams this motherfucker. And then, you know, he chokeslams him so hard, he, he starts throwing up, you know, while he's laying on his back. And Michael Myers stomps his face in. I'm not talking about that Dr. Sartain head stomp, that one fell swoop stomp. I'm talking he stomps his face in multiple times. And you can low key, if you zoom in, you can see his body like his hand like twitching on the ground that first stomp he's fucking people shit up man i'm trying to tell you we get snapped wrists you get people's faces bashed in glass mirrors we get some impalings from the back you get chokings and shit you get a you get strangulations and you get just mutilations michael is in his bag in this movie man and i love every minute of it if you're gonna give me you know why and I know a lot of fans can attest to this. I, I know y'all hear me now. I know y'all hear me when I say this. We got spoiled 
when we got that scene where Michael Myers and Halloween six slaughtered everybody in that, uh, you know, in that operating room and the strobe lights were going on and off, we had never seen anything like that before in a Halloween movie. It was, it was like when Wolverine gets his berserker rage going, it was like the scene in Logan where he was in the woods, just slicing through motherfuckers. We had never seen Michael Myers in his full, in his full glory like that before. So to get that brutal Michael Myers in, in, in spades, was dope i'm cool with it man the kills these are some of the best kills in the series man i haven't done a ranking yet but i gotta do a ranking for kills man really the kills are they, they do not let up on the kills man that's why i said uh nothing against halloween kills i'm looking forward to it one of my most anticipated movies the next year but y'all got some work to do as far as them kills man not that the ones in 2018 were bad just too many off-screen kills don't water my Michael Myers down. That's one of the fucking problems I had with H2O. Don't water it down. I don't want this teeny bop shit. You know, if you want to do that, to take it to the CW or something like that. You know what? I, I had to pause for a second. I hope no. I hope none of the cinematic gods hurt me because remember that rumor where they said that it was going to be a Halloween TV series. I would if they ever sent that shit to CW. I'll never watch it. And I love Michael Myers. I'll never watch it. I'll praise Resurrection before I watch it, a Halloween TV series on a CW, and that's real talk. Now, another thing I want to jump into where I defend this movie, because we're almost an hour into this, people, so I got I got to wrap this shit up. Um, there are a lot of nods to Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 here, whether people see them or not. And I'm not reaching here, man. I, I kid y'all not. Now, I, some people might look at it as I'm reaching, but I just I read into a lot, and I overthink everything. So I like to put the pieces together. I like to connect the dots. Um now, of course, the black nurse, that's obvious. Now, it could have been a black nurse in any movie, but the black nurse being Octavia Spencer in the beginning of the movie, of course, it reminds, it makes me think of Mrs. Alves, uh, Gloria Gifford from Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2. The, uh, you know, the chubby security guard. Uh, I think that guy, what is that actor's name? Let me check that actor's name because he's in everything. He was a guy in Hatchet that got, literally got sliced in half um let's see what is this guy's name what is his name richard ryle i think his name is i don't know how to pronounce it but he was the guy in hat he was in hatchet the first one he was in texas chainsaw 3d he's the guy that gives alexander dario the letter but you know the 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 chubby ineffective security guard at the hospital that reminds me of uh mr garrett from the original halloween 2 uh we see michael eat a dog we literally see him cut a dog open in this movie and eat the the insides and we literally see him he eat a fucking dog it's a really tough scene to watch but that's a nod to halloween one you know when um you know when bracket and loomis go into the myers house and he's like you know um he's like what is that and he's like it's a dog and he's like could have been a skunk man wouldn't do that and loomis walks off and said this isn't a man even as a kid i didn't realize that michael ate that dog and that's that's pretty fucking disturbing, man. Because, I mean, they do a little bit of that in Resurrection. Fuck that movie. But they do a little bit of that um, when they, they see that Michael's been chewing on rats. Like, he's been, you know, scavenging and eating rats in that tunnel, that under, underground tunnel. Um, the stripper death. Uh, the chick that gets her head smashed into the glass like a thousand times in, in the Rabbit and Red Lounge. I feel like that was, and plus she's ass naked. I feel like that was a nod to Pamela Susan Shoop's character, Karen, getting dunked in that hot tub in the original Halloween 2 just over and over and over until her face peels away. Because when he bashes that stripper's face into the glass, her face is getting fucked up more and more. And you literally, like, it looks swollen by the time he's done there. Shards of glass sticking out of it, and then he just drops her to the ground. If You can't tell me that's not a nod to Halloween 2. I'm telling you I'm not reaching, man. Now, the cop... 
being strangled when Michael's hiding behind the tree. Michael comes comes back and uh, I think his name is Andy. Michael comes behind him and strangles him with a big ass piece of rope. And you hear him. It's off screen, but you hear the crack. He cracks his neck. That for me was a nod to when Michael kills Leo Rossi's character in the original Halloween 2. But he walks up behind Bud like ever so silently and strangles him. And, you know, it's happening in the background. He does it really fast and then he just drops. And again, I think that knife that Michael's using is not a nod, but just almost a diss to that scalpel that he used in Halloween 2. As much as I adore Halloween 2, man, I feel like that scalpel, like he might as well just been walking around with a pencil. You know what I'm saying? Even though scalpels cut, scalpels kill. We see he killed that nurse and lifted her ass all the way up off the ground. Um, there are there are nods here and there, people. I'm telling you, there, I feel like Rob Zombie did his research. Now there's there's um there's two groups of people out there. There's groups of people. There's actually multiple groups of people out there. There are the people that are going to defend this movie with me. I know we are far and few in between, but I promise y'all we are out here. We're like the resistance, man, when it comes to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all. I do. But um, there's a group of people that are completely against me and they about to come for me with the pitchforks and the and the, and the, and the torches and all that shit. I'm, I'm going to feel like, you know, Victor Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster running up, you know, running away from, you know, from the lynch mob and shit. But um, there's also a group of people that say Rob Zombie didn't want to make this movie, so he purposely went out of his way to make a bad film and to destroy the series. I don't buy that for a second. Um, I, I don't buy that for a second. And part of that is because when I first bought Halloween 2 on DVD, the unrated director's cut, I listened to the commentary. And while Rob Zombie does always sound relaxed, you know, as he does during his commentaries, there isn't really a moment where he seemed like he was just completely disappointed with something he did. Now, I might have to go back and listen to it, but I don't think that this man um, went out of his way to make a bad film. I really I really disagree with the people that say that um, I, I, I just think that I think what Rob Zombie did uh first of all it's fucking rob zombie man i'm gonna say that in closing because i'm about to wrap this up soon people i've been taking you know talking y'all heads off long enough about this it's fucking rob zombie man like what did y'all expect if you're a fan of rob zombie's music i was a late bloomer i wasn't hip to rob zombie's music until i saw idle hands and you know they were playing a lot of that in the movie and i was like wait like that music is i'm not a big rock fan but that music i don't mind it at all because it's got some melody to it it's got something to it it's actual music um but as the years went on, I got to know he was a very strange guy. And the stranger I got as I got older, I'm like, the more I think I might understand this motherfucker right here, man. And he's he's cool. House of a Thousand Corpses may not have been my thing, but he is, you know, if you if you know who the fuck Rob Zombie is from his music and you saw House of a Thousand Corpses and all that other shit and the Devil's Rejects and all that stuff. What did y'all expect going into a, a second Halloween movie or Halloween movie from him in general? Did y'all think it was going to be all polished? up? It's not going to be a fucking John Carpenter movie, man. It's not going to be that. If you want that movie, that movie still exists. And maybe I'm biased here because. There are a lot of remakes I hate, and I'm like, well, you just completely tarnished Nate, but then I have people like myself tell me the same thing that I'm saying to people out there. It's like, well, you know, if you don't like the Night of Living Dead 3D remake, then go watch the original. And it's like, you're right, you're right, because it doesn't fuck up anything that that movie has established.
whether it's a remake or not it doesn't matter what the remakes do the move the original films are still intact those movies are still available for us to go back and enjoy and watch and appreciate even more if you hate a remake that much um it's one of the reasons why i i love my bloody valentine is one of my favorite uh original 80 slashers now because the more i go back and watch it the more I never want to really go back and try to appreciate the the re the 3D remake because I don't like it. And that's nothing against Todd Farmer and Patrick Lussier or anybody that was in the movie, but I just don't like it. It was a weak remake for me. As far as this goes, people have to understand something, man. That first Halloween movie that Rob Zombie did in 2007, Rob Zombie really had to kiss the ring. You know, he had to, he said John Carpenter was one of the first people he called up to tell him he had got the job for remaking that movie. And John Carpenter said, listen, go ahead, make it your movie. You got that advice from the OG. So it's like, what the fuck do people expect him to do? Because I doubt people are going to go call John Carpenter up or send him emails and be like, oh, well, you told him to go do his, make it his movie. How dare you? No, y'all not going to do that. Y'all going to go straight to Rob Zombie and be assholes about it. Because that's what, that's what a lot of people do. And it's like, man, I get it. I get it. I get why people don't like it. I'm just here to defend the shit and give my opinions on it. But I'm telling y'all, he had to kiss the ring. That's one of the reasons why I feel like the 07 remake was so familiar. Because he had to play it safe. He was already on, you know... He was already on Thin Ice making a, a, a remake to fucking Halloween to begin with, because we already had enough sequels that people weren't fond of, whether whether people didn't like Halloween 2, whether people didn't like Halloween 4, 5, 6, H2O, Resurrection, whatever the case may be. He was on Thin Ice. Anybody that jumps into the driver's seat for a Halloween movie to direct, not necessarily to write, but to direct, people not going to come for the writers. They're going to come for the director first, of course, but... He had to kiss the ring, man, but he had to do it in a gritty way. And I feel like he did enough playing it safe to get free reign the way he did for that 2009 sequel. And he did what all fucking visionary directors should be able to do without the studio interference. And I know he said that there was a lot of studio interference, man, that that was uh, that was going on when he was making these movies. You know, he said that they would say things like. We want you to make it more Rob Zombie. And he said he didn't know what that meant because he said he is Rob Zombie. So he said he didn't understand really what they meant. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's kind of not a contra contradictory thing to say to somebody, but it's just a very strange thing to say to somebody. That's like if somebody told me to make my podcast commentary or episodes more of Romero Tudor. It's like I wouldn't really I wouldn't understand what that means. You know, it's 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 like uh, what they call it? it's like third person type of shit. Like I I don't know what that means, but he really did what they what that's what every visionary director should be able to do because that's that's what he is. Whether people like it or not, and if, you know whether people want to see past the oh he does all this redneck trashy trailer park shit. Like nah, man, the guy sees something that a lot of people don't, and it's you know whether you want to see it or not, it's there, and. One of you know, I say that to say this, man. This movie it it it, it sticks out for better or for worse. And one, this is the last time we're going to see Michael this badass, at least until Halloween Kills proves otherwise. But this is it, you know. Twenty eighteen, nothing against James Hugh Courtney, but his his Michael was very much centered around Nick Castle. Nick Castle was not a brute. He was very swift and and and, and cat like and phantom like. In the movie, Mike, this Michael Myers is is just brutal, man. He's brutal as fuck. And the movie overall is whether people like it or not, 
this movie is going to be the topic of discussion forever. I can go in the comments section in a random horror group right now and just say Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Dot, dot, dot. And I'm going to get a plethora of fucking comments. They're probably going to be more bad than good, but it's going to be a plethora of comments regardless. And Rob Zombie should look at that and he should kind of smirk a little bit because it's like, listen, they love to hate this shit. And the people that don't hate it just love it all around. And honestly, man, that's one of the reasons why I have it as number four in my top five. Like I said, my top five Halloween movies before I close this shit out. Um, Halloween one, of course. Halloween two, 1981. Halloween four. Rob Zombie's Halloween two. And then the last one is always going to be that. I'm always split down the middle. It's always going to be that tie between um, Halloween six and Halloween 2018 because I just I, I can't choose and I would feel so bad if I if I left one or the other out because they're both decent sequels. But um, in closing, you know, Rob Zombie's Halloween two man, it, there will never be another movie like like it, man. And I know some people out there are probably listening to this and they're like, "What well, you goddamn right? I hope there's never, ever another movie like it. And you know what, man? I'm right there with y'all with that, too. I hope there is never another movie like Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Why? Because it's a it's trapped in a bottle right now. It's one of those remakes that's going to be controversial forever. It's um. there's always one. There's always one in the entire franchise. Fuck the timelines and fuck all that other extra stuff. And this was a direct sequel to this. And this one didn't have this in it. This one wasn't about. No, let's talk franchises real quick before I wrap this up. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, uh, safe to say, it is the the one movie in the series that is the most controversial. Now, I know some people can make that argument and say Halloween 3 because it doesn't have Michael Myers in it, but you got to understand, um, when Halloween 3 came out, they intended to go in a completely different dif- a different direction. They didn't want anything to do with Michael Myers anymore. They had already wrapped that story up, and they killed him off for good, quote-unquote, and they wanted to do an anthology spin on everything, so I don't really count that as the controversial one. Another controversial one could be Halloween 6 because... You know, whether you go by the producer's cut or the theatrical or whatever the rewrites were, some people might say Michael Myers got his niece pregnant and it was all types of crazy cult shit in there. Nah, that movie is no way, no, in no way near as controversial as Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. It's almost like, it's almost like A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I feel like that's the most controversial entry in that franchise because, you know, it kind of, it kind of went against and defied everything that was established in the first movie. And it brought Freddy into this uh, possession type of type of role and everything like that. Or you can look at the Friday the 13th series, which has two of the most controversial um, entries in the franchise, which would be uh, Friday 13 part five. And we know that that wasn't Jason. It was a copycat killer. Pretty, quite the sucker punch. We know. Still an enjoyable movie. Or you could say Jason Goes to Hell is the most controversial because they literally just pulled whatever they wanted to out of their asses. And said Jason was a deadite from the Evil Dead. His mom used to read the, read him the Necronomicon before bed, and he's basically a gremlin who goes up into women's vaginas to be reborn again. Um, you know, take take your pick, man. Take your pick. But me personally, people, yours truly, I love Rob Zombie's Halloween too, man. And I think as far as uh, Halloween sequel goes and what it gave me, I want to say I would give this a nine out of ten. And the only thing that keeps it from a 10 per se, and I always switch up, man. I always switch my rankings and my ratings and stuff. But as of right now, 
everything that I just covered, um, even the stuff I didn't cover that I'm thinking about right now, I would give it a nine out of 10. And what keeps it from a 10 is the fact that the people who have a problem with Michael Myers with no mask on, I, like I said, I'm right with y'all, man. I'm, I'm with y'all right there. Um, regardless of whether I like that one shot where he's in the parking lot and, and kills that bouncer where he's unmasked, um, I, Michael Myers just, I'm, I'm way too attached to the look of Michael Myers. And I know that's weird coming from somebody who just sat up here for like an hour and some change and praised Rob Zombie's Halloween too, because, you know, Michael Myers has got a hoodie on half of his mask is ripped off um, and stuff like that. He's got like a fucking, you know, like a vest on or a jacket underneath his hoodie and all of that. I know it's uh it's kind of hypocritical to say, but I, I'm, I'm used to Michael Myers looking a certain way. So him walking around with no mask is just very, very strange to me. And that's, that's probably one of the main things that I didn't like about the movie. Um, I don't really count the director's cut ending where Michael actually says die before he kills Loomis. I go by the theatrical cut because that's what was released in the theaters. Um, you know, if that's the case, I would have to go by what was in the producer's cut for Halloween six. No, I go by the theatrical cut. That's what I, that's what I judge it by. But, um, yeah, people, hopefully I didn't lose anybody, man. Hopefully y'all stuck around, and if y'all did stick around, y'all y'all really are the true Tudor Reviews MVPs, man. Y'all been y'all been rocking out, man, whether y'all agree or disagree with me or not. Y'all still tune in, man. So, to wrap things up, man, uh, speaking of tuning in, y'all already know where to tune in at, and if y'all don't, if y'all want to, after I just drop this bomb on y'all right quick, y'all can follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Yo, it's um, I wish I remembered these names off the rip. There's a few people that actually reached out to me, um, and whether it was sort of podcasts or asking me to review their, you know, their short films or something. Listen, I promise y'all, I will get to it this week, man. I feel like I got my mojo back as far as um, doing episodes that don't always consist of commentary. It feels good to get, you know, actual content back out to y'all and take notes and stuff like that. So I will get on it, man, whether it's, um, a review for y'all, you know, y'all, uh, independent short films or y'all trailers or whatever the movies are y'all suggest, man, uh, to the, to the people out there that actually hit me up and, and, um, ask me to do that. I will definitely make it my business to get around to that this week for y'all, man. Uh, I did not forget about y'all. Trust me and believe me, but, um, Shout out to the Facebook movie group, the Cinemaniacs, man. It is Maniac Monday, so y'all already know. Uh, y'all can post in games and uh, art and TV shows or music, whatever the hell you have it, as long as it ain't no religion or politics and none of that bullshit, man, because ain't nobody trying to hear that shit. The world's already messed up enough, man. We don't need more of that politics and all that religious stuff in there. Don't do it. Do not do it, man. And last but not least, shout out to the two the reviewers, the listeners, the lovers, the supporters out there, man. It is literally about to hit 130. It's 129, and I haven't had any coffee. I've been doing like laundry all day and like straightening up and doing shit like in the spare time, in the meantime, in between time. But yeah, man, I I, I need I need to again. I need to get my uh I need to get my adrenaline going. I feel like this helped even with no coffee. Like I'm just running off of ice water. That's really all I've been drinking all day long so far. So far. But uh but we'll see, man. And um again, shout out like I, I, I see the numbers climbing. Like I said, slow motion is better than no motion, but I gotta get back. That's 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 a lot of that is on me. I gotta get back into the groove of pumping out consistent episodes for y'all because um 
you know, without the love and support that y'all show me, man, I, this, this this podcast would be nothing. But the love and support y'all show me, I show it back to y'all tenfold and then some. Y'all already know, man. So with that being said, yours truly, Romero Tudor. Another episode of Tudor Reviews in a can. I'll check y'all on the next one.